Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. So the last two verses in the book of Matthew says this. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations. You may have heard a sermon before that said the word go there is the term as you are going, as you are going about your life, as you're at work, as you're at your hobby, um, as you're going house to house, whatever the case may be, as you're doing what you're doing, be a sent person. All right? Be a person on mission. And what is that mission? To make biblical disciples. And we say in what? Relational environments. I am going to ask that question again, so get ready, okay? Uh, Again, here's the passage. Go therefore, as you're going, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, we saw that last week, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So we are to be people who teach the Word of God. Uh, large group, small group, one-on-one, whatever. Okay, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He's given us a great task, a task for every individual in here, but you don't have to do it alone. God created the church so that we will not be alone. We talked about this last week. Uh, Everything that God created was good, but he said that there was something that was not good, and that was that man was alone. So he created community when he created man and woman. All right. So that's exciting. But not only do we have us, because listen, I know you're looking at me and you're saying, God gave me you to help. Oh boy, we're in trouble, right? But here's something amazing. He also gave us the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. So that is very exciting. So with that as our catalyst, okay, with that as our theme verse, let's ask some questions here as a form of review. Now listen, here's what I don't want. I don't want to ask a question. You'll be like, making disciples, relational environments, okay? Let's pretend like it's actually a mission that we're excited about, right? Because, oh my goodness, the God of the universe has called us to be, to partner with him, all right? To do some amazing things that you and I cannot do alone. It has to be something that, that is uh, together in community and driven and empowered by God himself. When it comes to even the very gospel, Romans chapter 16, Paul said, uh, chapter 1 verse 16, Paul says that he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. If it was up to Paul in his own power, he'd be ashamed. So would I, because I would fail at every turn. But God says, just be faithful. Just do your part. And the power of God is the one who's going to bring salvation to who? To everyone who believes. So with that said, let's do some review. What is the mission of Buck Creek Baptist Church? Making... (laughs) Yes, let's do it again. Making... Biblical disciples in relational environments. That's what we are about, church. 
Everything that we do, uh, the money that we spend, the time we meet together, the, uh, the going out home to home in small groups, uh, the activities we do on Wednesday or throughout the week, what we do in our own homes needs to be centered on this mission, this great commission, which is making biblical disciples in relational environments. Now, at this point, there's some alignment things that we're going to have to wrestle with. All right, as a church, there's going to be some things that you and I are going to disagree on, but we have to agree on the most important things, on the essentials. All right? Yes, when we look at finances, you can see the sheet. Financially, we're tough. Okay? There's some things that need to happen, you know, for all of us. You know, we got to, we got to say, what is our part? What is it that God is leading us to do and to give so that the mission of God can continue? But listen, when it comes to even budgets, we've got to weigh everything with this. In mind, this needs to be the lens. Here's a great example, and this is going to sting, all right? It's going to sting. Because our budget has been a bit tight, as y'all know, in January or December, we said that there's going to be one thing that we're going to cut out. One of, well, there was a few things to cut out. There were some, some salary things that we cut as well. But one of the big things that we cut was fall festival. Now, some of you are like, oh, how dare you? Well, listen, fall festival, as amazing as this event is, $10,000 of the budget, all right? $10,000 of the budget, and we reaching zero families. It's a great event. It was a great event. But when you look at eternity, it's like, hey, great job, but it was just an event, all right? So maybe in the future we'll be able to do it again and put some evangelistic fervor into it, but we see that as necessary. So do you see what I'm talking about? This needs to drive everything that we do in our homes, in our churches, where we go, where we live. So we are to be about making biblical disciples. And you don't have to do it alone. Because everything we see in Scripture, God works on the context of relationships. When did relationships begin? It's always been, right? God, even in himself, is relational, the Trinity. So relationships never had a starting point. It always was. And God just continued that throughout his creation with us. That is absolutely amazing. So never forget the mission of Buck Creek Baptist Church. The purpose, the reason that we exist is to make biblical disciples in relational environments. Which is why sometimes there's a rub. Okay? There has been in the 1900s, there has been this idea and it's poured over into the 2000s that, uh, let's say, following God is about sitting in church for an hour. Or in our case, hour and 20, 30 minutes, whatever. Okay, but we see that as our, as our duty to God. Are you kidding me? It's an honor to come and to worship the King of Kings. What this should do is it should spur, on, spur us to serve him outside these walls. But I think many times we see churches just punching a ticket. Okay, I'm coming. I spent an hour and a half here at church. I'm good for the week. And so whenever I say things like, man, you need to get involved in a relational environment, here's the reason why I'm saying that. You can't do it alone. That, that, that's tough to swallow. Our pride hates that. But the reality is God made the church for you so that you can grow in your love and knowledge of Christ, that you would see your purpose, your reason for being, and that you would be able to one day... One day, when you close your eyes, you don't say things like Rosebud, if you know what I'm talking about. Okay, But you have no regrets. Because you didn't just build a kingdom here on earth and then allow it to crumble whenever you die. 
or even before you die. But you've been investing in eternity. And the investments there will never die out. And so that's why we as a church, we can't be like any other organization. Because let me tell you something about every organization. Every organization has an expiration date. Everyone except Jesus' church. He says that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. This is why this statement is so important, and here's why. Have you ever heard of churches that are closing down? Raise your hand. Churches that are dying. How in the world is it possible for Jesus to make a profound statement like the church, His church, nothing will prevail against it, not even hail, and yet we see churches falling. Listen, the only, the only response to that is Jesus wasn't serious. Jesus wasn't lying. I mean, Jesus was lying, to which both of those cannot be the case, knowing who Jesus is. Or, they were not his church. Do you hear me? They gathered together and they met, but they met for their own purposes. We, at Buck Creek Baptist Church, meet for the purpose of Christ. We meet to honor, to worship, and to obey Him. Which is why everything we do must be within the lens of this. Reaching, excuse me, making disciples. Making biblical disciples in relational environments. Because I want to be Christ's church. I don't want this to be Scott's church. I don't want this to be a church where a family's been here for 240 years. It's their church. No, no, no. It's Jesus' church. And I'm privileged to be a part of it. That is the mission. That's what drives us. So it's about making biblical disciples. Let me ask you another question. All right, we're still in review here. These are things that we have got to solidify in our heart and mind. We don't want uh, the mission statement to just be some pithy phrase that's out there in this ethereal uh, skyline, but it doesn't play out in real life. So, if we're going to say that we are about making biblical disciples, we have got to ask this question. You know what the question is, but we've got to ask it, and we've got to not only memorize this, we've got to live this. What is a disciple? What is a disciple? According to Matthew 14, 9, Jesus' invitation to the disciples to come with him, he gives us a definition in three terms. A disciple is someone who does what? Number one, they what? They, they follow Jesus. They got to make a head decision. Okay, the scriptures call it repent. To turn from the direction you were going, sin, self, and Satan, and to turn towards Jesus. To realize he's not just a good man, a religious person, or even a make-believe a fairy tale. You know what's interesting about fairy tales? Every fairy tale is accepted in every country. But yet, the Bible is not. That tells me something. It's not a fairy tale. Okay? So repent means to turn from yourself, sin, and Satan, and to turn to Jesus alone as your Lord and Savior for all of eternity. So, number one, follow Jesus. If you're not following Jesus, then you're not yet a disciple of Jesus. And guess what? It's okay right now. It's okay. Be a time when it's not okay. So I plead with you, like the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. Today is the day of salvation. Know Him today. Because although you are given this moment, you are not promised the next. 
So a disciple is someone who makes a conscious decision, understanding who Jesus is and what He did on the cross. You choose to follow Him. The second thing, a disciple. A disciple follows Jesus, but they're also doing what? They're by Jesus, okay? Being changed by Jesus. The object is so important in this, okay? Do not forget the object of our faith, which is Jesus. Okay, it's not just being changed. It's being changed by Jesus, all right? We can trust in a lot of things that'll, that'll uh, deflate us, that'll uh, uh, hurt us, and that'll let us down. Jesus never fails. So if you're being changed by Jesus, then you're being changed into something that will affect others for eternity. So a disciple is someone who's being changed by Jesus. Here's how you're changed by Jesus. There are two ways that you're changed by Jesus. This is so exciting. We need to make this ground level, right? We need to know what it means to be changed. What is the changing factor that helps us to be like Jesus? There are two things. Number one, the Word of God. If we say that we're believers in Christ and we're not getting in the Word, what does that tell us? That ultimately tells us we don't want to change. And if being a disciple of Jesus is someone who's being changed by Jesus and we're not being changed by Jesus, what does that make us? That makes us at best, at best, a disobedient child of God. At worst, we have to examine whether we are a child of God. Number one, if you want to be changed by Jesus, you've got to get in his word. Number two, you want to be changed by Jesus, not only do you get in his word, Fellowship with the body of Christ. Don't miss this. I already said it at the beginning. We are here for each other to encourage, to equip, to hold us accountable. Listen, if you're pouring into everybody and nobody's pouring into you, you are going to be an empty cup. You need each other. I need you, and as crazy as this sounds, you need me. We need each other. You want to be changed by Christ? We've got to get in His Word. We've got to speak to God. Let His Holy Spirit move in and through us. And we've got to connect to one another. That's why I say a statement that is very controversial. If you're not involved in a community, if you're not involved in a small group, you have hit a ceiling in your relationship with God. You want to grow further? Obey Him by being connected into community. Do not forsake the assembling of the brothers. Do not do that. Get connected. And number three, if I'm a disciple, I'm following Jesus. I made a commitment to live for Him. I'm being changed by Him, by Jesus, by the Word of God and by the people of God. But then my heart has turned so much in love with Him that I cannot help but to be on mission with Him. The very things that I have received, I want to give away. Knowing Jesus is way too important to keep it to yourself. You know the most selfish thing that a person can do on this earth? It's not hoarding up all your money. That's pretty selfish, right? We can all see that. The most selfish thing that a Christian can do is not give away their faith. That's what a disciple is. If we're not on mission with Jesus, if we're not following him, being changed, or we're not on mission, what does that say about who we are? Listen, at Buck Creek, we are a, a disciple-making factory. It's about seeing other people being made disciples. Not for the glory of this church, not to build a bigger building. 
We smile because we have been given everything we can possibly need. And now we give it away. Give it away. That's what it means to be on mission at Buck Creek Baptist Church. If you want to be a part of this church, guess what? You've got a little bit of Buck Creek 101 right there. That's our heartbeat. If you're for that man, become a member. If you're not, you know, if you're like, hey, this isn't the place for me, I understand. I do. I get it. But we're not going to change. All right? This is the calling from the Word of God, and we're going to go. We're going to live by it. So now that we know the mission, now that we know the mission, how are we going to accomplish this? How are we going to make disciples in relational environments? If you have your Bible, go to Luke, the, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. I hope today to bring you not just encouragement, but I want to end today by just giving you great excitement. Great excitement that you can know Christ, and great excitement that if you know Christ, you know now. you got some tools in your toolbox on how you can help fulfill not only the mission but the vision that God has placed in us. So if you're in Luke chapter 15, Jesus has been approached by some religious leaders. They're, of course, trying to trick Jesus. Those who have read in the Gospels, you know that story. They're always trying to trip Jesus up. So what Jesus does to those people who are looking down on other people, Jesus gives actually three different illustrations, but the first one is what we're going to focus on uh, for a few moments. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 4. Luke 15, verse 4. Jesus says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. That is a ludicrous, crazy passage of Scripture. To think that a shepherd would leave the vast majority, 99% of his flock, to go after one. Now we can argue, say, well, he probably had other people watching the other sheep. And that's great. And I think that would be very wise to do such a thing. But listen, protect what you got, right? That seems to be the mindset. Protect what you got. This shepherd was crazy, all right? This shepherd was risky. This shepherd went after the one. A picture of the kingdom of God. See, the kingdom of God is like this. Jesus is not only willing. Remember, he doesn't need us. He just simply wants us, okay? He doesn't need us. There's nothing in God that's missing, Okay? But, as crazy as that is for him to be just fine, he chooses of his own love and desire and will and election chase after the one. I saw a meme on Facebook that said this, Going at, leaving the 99 to go after one sounds reckless, sounds insane, unless you're that one. 
then it's the greatest rejoicing. God would do such a thing. What I want to talk about today is the power of one. Power of one. God would do something as amazing as go after one. The power of one. Now, there's some biblical examples of this, and we won't have time to cover them all, so I'll just kind of throw them out, and you can look at them on your own. But there was one time in Mark chapter 5 where Jesus and his disciples, they actually go across a huge lake into the land of what they call the Gerizines. All right? And while Jesus is there, they go through a tomb and they see a man who is full of demons, right? This guy is extremely strong, cuts himself, says blasphemous things. I mean, people cannot restrain him. They try to tie him down. He breaks through. It's amazing and terrible and terrifying. This man who is alone in the cemetery. No one wants anything to do with him. Jesus, the Son of God, left crowds of people who were so accepting of him, so willing to do whatever he says, as long as he gave him a few morsels of meat, of course. Jesus leaves all that, goes across a dangerous lake, leads this person to Christ. Listen, the town didn't like that because while Jesus was saving this person, uh, a lot of pigs died. It's a really crazy story, all right? But the town wanted to get rid of Jesus. That man who was rescued, that one who was rescued, he wanted to go with Jesus. Of course he, did. he just met his Lord and Savior. And Jesus said, no, you've got a story to tell. You stay with your family. There's another story. There was a woman at a well, rejected by everyone. Jesus could have done what every Jew did, which is go around the town of Samaria to go to their destination. Jesus chose because he wanted to invest in one lady. He went through that town and he shared the glorious good news of the Messiah himself. He said, the very one that you're looking for is right in front of you. And check this out. He went... And he rescued that one lady. Guess what? Half the town believed in Christ because of her witness. And you know what the other half did? They said, we got to go check this out. So the whole town comes and they hear Jesus. The other half of that town comes to know Christ, not just because of her testimony, but because they were able to hear the word of God. Why? How did all that happen? How did a town turn from idols to Christ? One. One, there's another phenomenal story. And you can go on and on and on about this. And this is the work of God through the Holy Spirit. After Jesus had resurrected, okay, and the disciples started the church, thousands of people were getting saved. Well, then there was some persecution in Jerusalem. So people had to flee to other places. There was an evangelist named Philip who landed in Samaria. And while he was, while Philip was in Samaria, Jesus told them, go to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. All right? G- uh, Philip goes, leads many in the town to Christ. There is a revival going on. The best thing human knowledge would say is, Philip, stay put. 
You have an evangelistic community right there that's going to grow and grow and grow. And yet the Holy Spirit says, no. I want you to go down to a road between Jerusalem and Gaza. And I want you to talk to one. He obeys. There's an Ethiopian eunuch on his way back home to Ethiopia. Philip leads this one person to Christ. And listen, here's something amazing about church history or about history itself. Ethiopia, y'all are probably thinking a little bit about where Ethiopia is. It's kind of halfway uh, to the west in Africa. Well, back then, the known world went as far as Ethiopia. They didn't know all the rest of Africa at that time. Okay, we're talking first century here. So here's what they called Ethiopia back in the first century. The ends of the earth. Do you catch what just happened? Because Philip was faithful to lead one person to Christ. This Ethiopian eunuch took the gospel to the ends of the earth. So don't tell me. Yes, we want crowds. We want lots of people to come. We want to see many people uh, get involved in church and everything. But God, listen, God is concerned about the one. Are we concerned about the one. Now this brings us to our vision. Let me ask you again our mission. We got to be sure we got it. The mission of Buck Creek Baptist Church is what? Making. That's right. Making biblical disciples in relational environments. And our vision comes also from Matthew chapter 28. Here is the vision of Buck Creek Baptist Church. Reaching the world for Jesus. One person at a time. It used to be called uh, reaching the world for Christ. But you're going to find out today there's something powerful about the name Jesus. And so we've changed that. Reaching the world for Jesus. Now don't you think that's a good vision? I mean let's just stop and think for a minute. Reaching the world for Jesus. That's, that's kind of a, a lofty goal, isn't it? Reaching the world for Jesus. That sounds kind of sensational. Did you know that that used to be the mission of uh, Coca-Cola? Not exactly that. But the mission of Coca-Cola was a Coke in every hand. And you know what happened? They pretty much did it. Through persistence, through will, through advertising, through getting their product to the ends of the earth. Everybody, no matter what, whatever state whatever what country you're in, if you ask for a Coke, they may, they may use a different term for it, but everyone knows what you're talking about. Reaching the world for Christ. That's a lofty goal. That's the goal that Jesus told us to do, right? Make disciples of what? All nations. But what is Buck Creek Baptist Church in Chesney, South Carolina, what can we do to even put a dent in reaching the world for Christ. Listen very carefully. Brothers and sisters. I'm so excited to be able to tell you. Here's how we can do it. One person at a time. One person at a time. You hear that? Big, audacious, hairy goal. Okay? Reaching the world for Jesus. How do we do it? One person at a time.
How do we accomplish such a lofty goal? What is it that, I mean, to think about a vision. A vision is something we want to become. We want to become a people that sees the great commission fulfilled in our lifetime. Because I'm about to tell you something and do not quote me. Do not put it in a newspaper uh, or put it on, on Facebook or social media. But listen, I'm just 45 years old. I'm a kid still, all right? Yes, youth, I'm still a kid, okay? All right. Um, but as best I can see, looking at Scripture and looking at the times, his return is imminent. It really is. The world's puttering, all right? It's on its last breath. Let's just be honest. This isn't, this isn't something to get scared about as a Christian. It's something to rejoice in. Jesus is coming soon. Listen, if he's coming in my lifetime, I want to be able to say I did everything I can to fulfill the vision that God has given Buck Creek to reach the world for Christ. But how do I do that? How do I do that? One person at a time. How do you accomplish the vision? Here's how. Just taking that vision is not enough. Church, do you hear me? Taking that vision is not enough. You have to make it a personal vision. So here's the vision I want to give myself. Here's the vision I want to give you. This is the personal vision vision of every member of Buck Creek Baptist Church. Here it is. The personal vision is reaching my world for Jesus Christ one person at a time. Reaching your world. See, there's people in your world that I will probably never meet. You get that? People at your workplace, people in your family, in your family reunions, people where you play, where you go hunt, where you... uh, where you bowl, okay, where you hang out. There are places, there are people that I will never see and you will. So we, every single one in here, we may not be able to understand or fully grasp the idea that as a church we're to reach the world for Christ one person at a time, but I am called by God. Every one of us who is a disciple of Jesus, everyone is called to reach my world for Christ. Amen? That, that's our calling, right? To reach our world for Christ. How do we do that? One person at a time. It is a personal vision, but it is also a shared vision. It's something we're going to do together. I'll talk about that in a moment. So, let me ask you a question now. See, we're breaking this down because I want it to be so practical. Who is my world? If my vision is to reach my world for Jesus, one person at a time... Who is my world? If you got your bulletin out, and if you don't, that's fine. We're going to have people pass this out. Uh, can I have a couple of men to help uh, pass out a piece of paper? If you have your bulletin, you got a white sheet that said, who's your one there? Okay, if you do not have this little white half sheet, would you please raise your hand? We want everyone to be able to have one of these sheets. What does it mean to reach my world? How can I do that? Who is my world? Who is my world? What you have in that sheet of paper there is a, is a document called My Jerusalem. Okay? We gotta start where we're at. Alright? Where we're at today. Guess what? Now that everyone has that, good. We'll talk more about that at the end, all right? (laughs) We'll talk more about that at the end. Look at that. uh, You glanced at it, great. Now let's put it up. Here's the thing. Who is my world? We're going to find that out when we break into my Jerusalem, okay? But here's what I want to talk about now. If I'm going to ID my one, I need to ask this question. 
It's a powerful, it's a profound question. Who's your one? Who's your one? This is an initiative from the North American Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. That is a mouthful, okay? In a nutshell, we are a Southern Baptist church. We're Buck Creek Baptist Church, okay? And what makes uh, Southern Baptists unique of any denomination is that what we do when it comes to missions, we don't want people independently to go and raise their money, all right? We want to be able to pool our funds together to send out as many missionaries as possible so that they could spend as much time as possible on that mission field, not spending half their life trying to raise funds, all right? So the North American Mission Board has an initiative. Now listen, soaks carefully. For the past three years, my desire was for us to understand to memorize and to start applying the mission, making biblical disciples in relational environments and understanding what that means. Guess what? It's year three. Now it's time to turn that mission into a vision. All right? And this, what we're going to experience in Who's Your One, we're going to have five weeks where we're going to have evangelistic training right here on Sunday mornings. All right? And what we're going to ask is for everyone to look at my Jerusalem to pray through these things and to ask God who is one person that I could spend the next five or six weeks with praying over them and engaging them in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So just imagine for a moment, Buck Creekers and guests, imagine this. Imagine if every believer, every disciple in this room prayed specifically for one person who was far from God. Praying and asking God how they can share their life and the gospel with this person. Imagine if every believer in this room shared a burden for the lost to see them experience the new life that you and I have received. Imagine what that would do to your workplace, your home, and your place of play. Imagine, church, what that would look like. So in the next few weeks... You're going to see this happen next week, though, September 1st, right? Next week, you got to come. We're going to have a prayer and praise service as we prepare our hearts for what's going to happen the next five weeks. Got to be here. We're going to pray. We're going to bring it to the Lord, and you'll see why it's important in just like 30 seconds. And then we're going to dive in. We're going to commit to 30 days, every one of us praying. We have devotionals for you. We have prayer guides for you. And we are really going to get this down because of our vision for 2020, which is coming up soon. But here's what we're going to invite you to do during these five weeks. Number one, you need to identify. You need to identify. All right? I'm asking every one of us to spend some time in prayer asking God to reveal to us who our one is. Now listen, it may be easy for you to say, well, I know exactly who my one is. I know this person, whatever. No, 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 no. I want you to pray about this, okay? Because yes, there should be someone that each of us want to see come to Christ, but God may have different plans. I want to work where God's at work, right? I don't want to just be beating my head up against a wall on something that God's not uh, connecting this person with or this person has fully rejected, whatever. I want to hear God's voice, on this one. So we want to pray first. We want to ask God to reveal who our one should be. Number two, we're going to intercede. More praying, right? More praying. Listen, I've heard a phrase before and it makes so much sense. Long before you talk to people about God, 
you should talk to God about these people. All right? Ask God to fertilize your heart. Okay? To give you the same love for the lost that he has. So I'm going to ask for every one of us, and this has got to connect in your small groups for accountability and for us to share in this burden together. We're going to commit to pray for our one on a daily basis. And don't just pray about them. Don't just pray about them. But really pray for your one. Think of it this way. Pray for this one the way you wish that people would pray for you. Did you hear that? For this month, I want you to pray for that one the same way that you wish someone would pray for you. So you pray for them. You pray for their marriage, their family, their employment, their health, their finances, etc. Ask them how you could best pray for them. Boy, does that start a conversation. So you intercede for this person. Ask God that you would get openness to share the gospel with them. Number three, investments. We need to invest. We need to ask God to create opportunities to build the relationship by doing this. By inviting that one into your world. Right? Reaching my world for Christ. Right? One person at a time. This is our one that we're talking about. Invite them over for dinner. Invite them for coffee. If they come to church, do not let them leave without inviting them to lunch. If you need some extra money, guess what? Kenny is going to invest. I know our finances are tight, but this is so important. Kenny is actually going to get gift certificates. Okay? This is how much we, we, we value this because this is our mission. I, I know that sounded like a joke at first, but I'm serious. Kenny is going to purchase gift cards so that you have no excuse to be able to take your one out to eat on Sunday. All right? Don't do it throughout the week. All right? We don't have much money. Okay? But seriously, this is so exciting. We believe in this. So we're going to invest. The church is going to invest, but you need to invest. Invite them into your world. Is it going to be messy? Absolutely it's going to be messy. Is it going to be worth it? Did it? And it was for the joy that was set before him. He came to us and went to the cross. So yeah, it's going to be worth it. Number four, not only investment, but intentionality. You need and I need to open our eyes to look for opportunities to have spiritual conversations with people. I'm not talking about making it awkward and forced. Sometimes it may have to be. But listen, let God open doors and be faithful to walk through them as you converse, as you get to know that one. You're looking for an open door? Listen, asking someone to pray for them is huge. Or how about this? For lunch, warn them ahead of time. I know this sounds crazy because there seems to be this mindset that Christians are supposed to pounce on people like tigers. No! If we truly love them, we want to prepare them. We want to prepare the soil by asking God. So how about this is a crazy idea. Say, hey, for lunch, I know we talk about news, weather, sports, and politics. Okay? How about this lunch? Do you mind if I just share with you my story? All right, it'll take about 10 minutes or so. But do you mind at lunch... If, if I could just get 10 minutes of your time to share my story. <gasps> That's huge. That's insane. Invite them into your world and be intentional in your communication with them for Christ. And number five, invitation. Invitation. You and I need to have a clear understanding of the scriptures. 
Not everyone, but we need to have a, a clear understanding of scriptures as best we can, and we have to constantly be growing in our knowledge of him. One of the things we need to know is how to lead someone to Christ. So right now is the time to, to know this. There's gospel tracks out there. You can read the gospel tracks, but here's the beauty. After these five weeks of getting our heart connected to God and loving the lost, I'm going to spend three weeks with you in the month of the end of October and the beginning of November. Three weeks. I'm going to share, you, share with you a simple way by using three circles how you can share the gospel with someone even at Waffle House. Okay? So, uh, as a church, we want to be there for you. We want to partner with you in this. Okay? So, you want to have an invitation. Got to remember to give our one an opportunity to respond. Don't, don't just make the pastor do it, okay? Don't, don't just throw them to us. You're the one who has a relationship with them. They're going to hear you before they hear me. Be that one to lead them to Christ. Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be cool? Six weeks from now, we have a baptism service where there are 20 people going through that water. And I am only baptizing one person. The person I led to Christ. And you are baptizing the person that you led to Christ. That would be amazing. That's what we want. That's what we want. So, again, your personal vision. Remember the personal vision? Reaching my world for Christ, one person at a time. Who is it? Who is it? That needs to be my vision. But it also is a shared vision. Remember I said that? You are not alone. The pastoral staff is making a commitment to you today, a a commitment that's going to last as long as the Lord keeps us alive. Here it is. We are going to the pastoral staff, and we're going to ask the small group facilitators to be a part of this as well. We are going to commit to equip you, to encourage you, and to empower you. That is going to be the reason why I breathe is so that you can fulfill your vision for Christ. That's why I want to be here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16, gives me my job description. I am here to build you up, to educate you, to equip you, and to send you out so that you can become a mature disciple maker. That's my role in this. So I am going to equip, I'm going to encourage, and I'm going to empower you to get the gospel to your one. You're not alone. We're with you. Number two, you're not alone because you have a small group that can assist you as you go. But I'm not in a small group. Let me ask you this. Is somebody here a small group facilitator or host home? Raise your hand. Okay, everyone look around. If you're not in a small group, go talk to one of these people. They want to partner with you as we reach your world for Christ one person at a time. Worship services. Invite them to worship services. I hope that it's a very welcoming place. I hope if you're a guest, you felt welcome today. But also, as they're here in a welcoming environment, they're going to hear the gospel. So more seeds are going to be planted. Get them involved in worship service. Get them involved in events. If you have a one that's a parent, guess what? In two months, there's an event right here at Buck Creek Baptist Church, a parenting conference. When they're here, they're going to hear the gospel. When they're here, they're going to receive a next step, which is this. Thank you for coming and being a part of this parent conference. Next, we want you to come Sunday. 
We want you to get involved in a small group. You see the, you see the partnership that's taking place there? You're not alone in this. And that, that brings me to a simple video. If you don't mind, let's just watch. It's about two minutes long to kind of give you a picture of what I'm talking about. Many Christians get together regularly in what they call small groups, where they pray together, study the Bible, encourage one another, and sometimes have a meal together. This is a good thing. But then they often go off all by themselves to share the gospel with their friends, and many times they come back very discouraged because they aren't very effective. But Jesus never sent his disciples off by themselves. He sent them out in pairs. And the Apostle Paul went on mission with a whole team. That's because Jesus told us it's by our love for one another that the world will know that we are his disciples. I encourage a group of people to be a community on mission or a missional community where they love one another and are sent together to a group of people. We want this group to see this community of people loving one another because it's by our love for one another that they'll be able to see that the gospel changes us. This could look a number of different ways. It could be a party that we throw and invite some of our friends to attend. It could also be a few of us going to a party that others throw. It could be us inviting some people we know to come serve others with us so that they can see our love in action. Either way, we want to get people who love Jesus to love one another in the midst of a group of people who don't know the love of Jesus. Jesus' intent is for us to be a community on mission, not a bunch of individuals on mission all alone. Amen to that. You are not alone. So together, we can accomplish more. Together, we can reach the world for Christ, one person at a time. You want to be involved in that? I want to make a, a bold statement here, a commitment. Vision 2020, if we would grasp this, statistically speaking, 3% now, it used to be 5, 3% of people who claim the name of Jesus, claim to be followers of Christ, only 3% share the gospel. 3% have shared the gospel with at least one person. 3%, which means 97% of people who call themselves Christians never share their faith. You want to know why we have um, become impotent in our growth? How we've become stale to the world? Because we're not showing them the truth. The gospel really does mean to us. If the gospel is even in us. Here's my commitment to you. This is a vision. It may sound silly and corny because it's the year 2020, but man, I believe God is up to something amazing here at Buck Creek. Here's our vision for 2020, and I hope that you grab onto it. As a matter of fact, you can grab onto it by taking seriously who's your one. Who's your one? Here's what I want to propose to us for the year 2020. All right? Vision number one. We want 20. Right now we have 14 small groups. Since I've been here the past three years, we've been hovering between 10 and 14 small groups. I think one thing has stopped that. 
one thing has slowed that down. And that is that we have 10 to 14 small groups that Kenny has done a great job of juggling 14 small groups. Okay? But balls are falling down. All right? And so what we're going to do is Kenny is actually coming out of his small group. He's got apprentices that are at his group is actually going to birth another group. Kenny is coming out of small group. And Matt Brock is coming out of his small group. Those are some heavy hitters in our church. But what they are going to do now is they're going to be called small group coaches. And they are going to split our seven and seven small groups. And they're going to coach them. They're going to um, pray for them. They're going to uh, mentor them. They're going to hold them accountable. It's going to be absolutely phenomenal. And here's, here's I'm going to give you a bold prediction here. If this church took seriously who's your one reaching my world for Christ one person at a time we are desperately going to need 20 small groups next year amen i mean doesn't that just make sense in august of 2020 we're going to launch 20 or more small groups i have i have the absolute confidence in christ that if we take seriously reaching my world for Christ one person at a time, we're going to need 20 small groups. Second thing, for 2020, if we have 20 small groups, if one, if every small group reached one family, how many new families will we have in 2020? 20, right? 20 new families. Wouldn't that be exciting? That we celebrate 20 different times people coming up to join the church because they have been led to Christ by those who prayed for them. That is exciting. 20 new families in 2020. That's not all. If we have everyone praying and having gospel conversations with their one, 20 small groups with 20 new families. Within those families, there are lost people, which means we're going to be able to baptize 20 people next year. Amen? 20 baptisms next year. And you know the one thing that's kind of slowing us down? This is something that kind of has a little bit of a funk in us at the church is this whole debt. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's kind of annoying. If we didn't have that debt, we'd be making budget. We really would. So my commitment is not only, can you put up their baptisms? Not only that, I want to commit to you that if we took seriously this, and we took seriously the call of God on our lives, that we would, from January, uh, from December to January 2020, that we would raise 20% of the budget. 20% of our debt would be paid off. That's not including what we earn this year. Or in this year, we're online to reach probably about 60,000. Well, 20% is 70,000. Now, here's what that breaks down to. 36,000 of that is what we pay monthly as the bill. So 36. I'm not good at math, but what's 36 minus 70? Exactly. That's what we're going to need to raise. And then we'll be close to, close to half of our budget being done. Folks, this is the vision that I proposed to the church. I've prayed. I've sought God's face on this. And my plea is that we as a church would embrace this. That you would say, what is my part in this? Not look at what's the vision of the church. What is my vision? Okay? How can I do this that God's called on my life personally? And then how can we share that vision? That is my plea to us for the year 2020. Now, in order to reach that, we've got a lot to do in 2019. And it begins with who's your one. It begins with who's your one. So if you have that My Jerusalem paper, would you please take that out? 
I believe that every great movement of God begins with prayer. And it extends to reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. So as we do that, during our invitation today, I want to ask you a simple question. Who's your one? Now at this point, if you don't have a one, that's what this paper is for. If you look at the back, it says my vision, or yeah, my vision. Reach my world for Christ, one person at a time. Here's what I want you to do during our invitation time. I want you right now to put your name on the top of this paper. Put your name on it. We're not turning it in, okay? Okay, this is for you. Put your name on that paper. And here's what I want you to do. Right after you write your name, so I'm right, Scott Scrimpser, you put your name, of course. And then, after your name, I want you to put a cross at the end of your name if you are a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, if you're a disciple of Christ. Put a cross. If you're not yet a Christ follower... I just want you to put an X. Just put an X at the end of your name. And if you're not sure, put a question mark. All right? If you're not sure, put a question mark. And then what I want you to do during this invitation time, it's going to be a little crazy. We're not going to, you may not be able to fill it all out right now. You've got some homework. I want you to list five people in your family that you live with or at least have close relationships within your family. List five people. I want you to list five neighbors that you live next to, you have some sort of community with. Then I want you to list five people at your workplace. And then I want you to list five people that you hang out with. All right? And I want you to to do the exact same thing you did with your name with them. Within this list of 20 people, it's okay, the, the instructions are on here. I know I'm going fast. After you make this list and put a cross, an X, or a question mark, I want you to circle all the X's and question marks. Then I want you to pray. God, lead me to one of these people that I will invest the next six weeks praying that they would come to know you as Savior and that God would use you to do it. Let's pray. Father God, I come to you right now through Jesus Christ asking for your absolute power. God, we can't do this alone. We can't do this by ourselves. God, the same old, same old is me living for myself, reaching myself for myself, only thinking about one person, and that's me. God, today is a new day. I want to be different. I want to be on mission for Jesus Christ. Jesus, today, give us a passion to reach my world for you. May it begin with one. So God, lead me at this very moment into obedience to your great commission. God, lead us as a church to have a love for those people that you love. Jesus, lead us to the one that you would have us to invest in. Jesus, lead us to your heart. God, my prayer this morning is that if somebody wrote their name on the top of that paper and they wrote a question mark or an X, 
God, that you would lead them to faith and trust in you this morning for the glory of the name that is above every name. For it is in the name of Christ we praise and pray.